It is as bad as you think. And they are out to get you. Happy Positive Thinking Day. This is Fiorella de Maria bringing you the early show all the way from a chilly autumnal England. Should I say anything on the program that strikes a chord, interests you, or heaven help me, causes you to choke on your porridge, please let me know. As always, our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Yes, indeed. It is apparently National Positive Thinking Day. I don't really do positive thinking, to be quite honest. It's always got a teeny weeny bit on my nerves so I suspect this is not the day for me. I'm rather more in line with my former boss's uh, maxim things will get steadily worse. We'll all end up in a hearse. But there we are. If you have nice positive thoughts to waft in my direction, please do write them in the chat room. I can't possibly be a curmudgeon yet. I'm not old enough. But There we are. National Positive Thinking Day. I'm seeing it is also apparently. um, (laughs) It's King Dude is saying good luck with National Positive Thinking Day once the Schaeferites show up here. Yes. Let's just see. Maybe we should just have our um, our own alternative National Positive Thinking Day. What should we call it? National Being Realistic About Life Day or something like that. Um, It is also, I gather, National Celiac Disease Awareness Day, National Peanut Day, and National Kids Take Over the Kitchen Day. Do you know, the last one I think I could cope with, my children have turned into really superb cooks since lockdown. One of the things we did during lockdown, I thought, well, that must be things we can do that we wouldn't maybe normally do that only happen in the house. So I taught my children to cook and they are really good at it. Um, They have made me a three course meal before on a birthday. uh, So I would completely let them take over the kitchen as long as they tidied up afterwards. Um, King Dude is saying, I'm completely positive about the negative. Well, there we are. That's that's a start, isn't it? Um, Over here, it is also National Rolled Dahl Day because it is Rolled Dahl's birthday, the... At the time, very enterprising, very different children's writer. He broke the mould in so many ways in terms of the way he wrote for children. And he's been described as one of the greatest story, one of the world's greatest storytellers for children. He is famous for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda, Fantastic Mr. Fox, the BFG, the Twits, the Witches, the Very Hungry, no, not the Very Hungry Crocodile, the Enormous Crocodile. He was, in fact, as the name suggests, of Norwegian background, um, and he he wanted to write from the point of view of the child, as it were, from the child's imagination, which is why there's a lot of dark humour in it. Um, so you're encouraged to celebrate by reading his books, rereading his books, go to your local library, watch the films that are based on his books. Uh, Matilda's particularly good, I will say. Or have a Roald Dahl-themed party where guests dress up like characters from his books. And yes, fun fact about Roald Dahl, he was a fighter pilot. Fighter pilot, sorry. He was a fighter pilot during the Second World War. 
So that is Roald Dahl. I don't know. Does anyone have a favourite Roald Dahl novel? Have you read any of them? Or perhaps any of the films really touched your imagination? There have been several versions of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory now. I think there have even been several films of Matilda. And there has been rather a good animation of Fantastic Mr Fox. Um, They do change the story quite a bit, but it's not bad. It's not bad. Um, okay, right. Jacqueline is reminding us in the chat room, we are commanded to have hope. Absolutely. You're, you are so right. Our lady will be victorious. Absolutely. Um, thy kingdom come. Thank you. That That is what positive thinking day should be like, really, shouldn't it? It's just the gates of hell shall not be prevail. The gates of hell shall not prevail. So yesterday when there were all those quaint little trite little messages on the pavement written in chalk for the children starting school you know you are braver than you think be like a star that shines i should have gone and started writing things like the gates of hell shall not prevail and thy kingdom come the real messages of hope sperain deo thank you thank you denise uh denise is saying the craziness is starting here when i bring doodlebug to occupational therapy today i must remain in the car and text that we have arrived and in uh, what car we will be waiting? Wow, why is that? Is that um, is that just a, a policy? Um, that seems that seems needlessly awkward. Well, in terms of the history of today, okay, so it's Roald Dahl's um, birthday and all of the rest. The only Roald Dahl book that my children really got along with was Matilda. Um, they were very spooked, as was I as a child, by Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and they say it's really preachy. So there we go. Funnily enough, he was Roald Dahl was supposed to be anarchic, but future generations have found him preachy. Just goes to show you really can't make it up. I think he does come across as quite preachy, to be honest. He also he hated televisions, which was a bit ironic because he made a lot of money out of his books being adapted for television, including his adult books. I tell you what, for Roald Dahl Day, if you want to have no sleep tonight, read or watch tales of the unexpected they are so creepy they're some of the only sort of horror stories that have ever kept me awake at night because they are so twisted oh it's covid precautions really we haven't had anything like that here as yet oh good grief it's all starting again now i'm glad to say i only know one person who masks and that's out of out of choice and there have been no COVID precautions as yet. I don't know if things will start to change, but I will keep you posted. But yes, besides Roald Dahl Day, yesterday was the anniversary of the day when the poet Elizabeth Barrett, known mostly as Elizabeth Barrett Browning, eloped to Italy to escape a father who forbade her from marrying anybody. Elizabeth Barrett Browning had to go with her beloved to Italy to marry, not because her father disapproved of her choice of husband, not because he didn't want her to marry a certain kind of person. He did not want her to marry at all, or any of her sisters. They were forbidden to marry. Now, it seems to me that this is a really short-sighted way of running your home, not allowing your children to marry. I mean, your, your line is going to disappear pretty quickly. I just um, I just find that very, very peculiar. And I, I think, well, well done to Elizabeth Barrett Browning for running away. 
Um, You'd have to run away from a tyrant like that. It's deranged. Today was also the first time uh, on this day in 1902 when a man was convicted using fingerprints as evidence. We are so used to the idea of fingerprinting. It was only on this day in 1902 the Metropolitan Police used a thumbprint that he had left on a windowsill. He was tracked down through that thumbprint, was sentenced to seven years at the Old Bailey. Ron, thank you. I am positive that God is in control. Jacqueline, I will survive open house today. What is open house today? Ah, baby bar- baby bar- baby babbits, barrets, baby rabbits born yesterday. That is wonderful. Are we going to have some pictures? Oh, please. I suppose they don't look so cute when they're newborn. They look like small sausages, but um, I don't know. There's something about baby anything that's usually sweet. Anyway, moving swiftly on. I meant to tell this story yesterday, but for some reason we all got bogged down in talking about doggies, which is fine. Which is fine. Dogs are lovely. I love dogs. Everyone was trying to persuade me that getting another dog is a really bad idea. But I think you have got to hear this story. It is so charming and so hopeful. In fact, there we are. Hopeful. A nun from Kent in the south of England, Thanet, not not far from the beautiful White Cliffs of Dover, has been reunited with a gold ring she lost 60 years ago. Sister John lost the ring which she was given when she took her vows. So it was very, very important to her, very significant uh, when she joined the Benedictines at Minster Abbey. She was plucking chickens in 1963 when she realised it had gone. It had slipped off her finger and she said she never imagined she would ever see it again. Now aged 96 years old, the ring has been returned to her. She says, I took it as a miracle because I thought it was impossible that everything is possible with God. But I felt very privileged that the Lord was still caring for me. And there's a lovely picture of her wearing the ring. What happened was it had disappeared into a field where it had lain partially buried for all those decades then a metal detectorist, Ron Stevens, was walking around the field with his metal detector and he said he got he was just having a little bit of a swing around. He wasn't expecting to find anything and he got a signal. He thought to start with that it was just a, an old washer, you know, something just, just had fallen off a bit of machinery. But then he thought, no, that's gold. That's obviously gold. And so he picked it up and he thought, yeah, that's definitely gold. It's quite heavy. The number inside, 585, means that it's 14 karat gold. And it had an inscription which immediately piqued his interest. Jesus, John the Baptist. It's incredible, but as he was discovering this ring, a nun walked past. She happened to be passing. And so he called her over and said, sister, sister, do you know someone called John the Baptist? And she says, she said, not personally, son, but I know of John the Baptist. And um, he showed her the ring and the sister said, ah, that is Sister John's ring. And the, the metal detectorist was so, so happy that he could reunite this ring with its owner. And I just, it's such a beautiful story. 
it's it's just such a lovely story. The fact that it was found after all that time that she immediately, Sister John, praised God for helping her to find the ring, that there happened to be a sister passing by who was able to help. The, the quirkiness of Ron Stevens saying, Sister, do you know a John the Baptist? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, not personally, but yes, I do know of one. And that she realised whose ring it was. It's just beautiful. I think it is a miracle. And I, I just think, thank God for Ron Stevens and his metal detection kit. And thank God for Sister John. What a wonderful lady she must be. And I'm just glad at 96 years old, she she's lived long enough to get her ring back. Um, Philip is saying um, fingerprints seem so outdated now. If it's not DNA, it's no good. Well, I wonder. I mean, I'd be curious to know how frequently are fingerprints still used? Because, in fact, with biometric data and things like that, they, they do use fingerprints quite frequently. I mean, my son has to use his thumbprint to access his school account when he goes to school to get his lunch, you know, from the canteen. Rather than bringing money, he sticks his thumb against a scanner. It immediately registers his account and he takes what he needs and it um, it deducts the money from his account. So I think on one level, fingerprints are still used a lot, but just not in the original sense with inking people's fingers and things like that. And I don't know how much they they probably still do dust down crime areas because I read a book. I'm trying to remember now. I read a book called Forensics some years ago, which looked at all of these things, fingerprints and DNA sampling and um, all the the incredibly fascinating and complicated world of forensics. And I think they still do look for fingerprints because with DNA, you can find it and usually do. It, it only takes one piece of hair or even a skin cell to give you DNA. But fingerprints can be the first port of call. Um, Jacqueline saying open house is where the parents come in and watch you teach. Oh gosh, that sounds terrifying. It is 25 minutes past the hour. You are listening to the early show with your hostess, Fiorella de Maria. If you've missed the show so far, never fear. You can listen to the whole of the whole of the show as a podcast, same day from crusademax.com. We have been talking about National Roll Dull Day. Do you have a favorite Roll Dull book or do you just not like them at all? It's National Positive Thinking Day, and I'm being reminded, old cynic that I am, that we have to be positive, but we put our, our positive thoughts come from the Lord. We, we, we have hope. The gates of hell shall not prevail. That's the real positive thinking. Um, it is also National Celiac Awareness Day, National Peanut Day, and National Kids Take Over the Kitchen Day. Do your children cook? Do they cook well? Would you let them loose in your kitchen? Um, but absolutely beautiful story as well of a nun, a 96-year-old nun called Sister John, who has been reunited with the ring she lost way back in 1963, uh, a man with a met metal detector found it and was able to get it back to her. Just beautiful. And I'm learning. Oh, yes. It's also the anniversary of the first time in 1902 that fingerprints were used by the Metropolitan Police here in London to convict a man. They found his fingerprint in wet paint on a windowsill. I'm learning about open house. This is really frightening where teachers can actually come in, the parents can come in and see you teach. I mean, I don't think we have that over here. 
Um, maybe some private schools do it, but I've never come across that before. In some ways, even though it must be awful um, having parents sitting in your class, I sometimes wish my parents could have witnessed what my teachers were like up close. But then, of course, I'm guessing that if there'd been parents in the room, my teachers probably wouldn't have started, you know, teaching us Pope Joan as if she were fact or stuff like that. I don't know. Um, oh, Jacqueline's saying, yeah, we have several new families. At least one of them has already complained that my expectations are too high. Veteran parents know I'm a good teacher. The newbies are often a cross I have to bear every year. I have to defend my teaching. I have to convince the parents I'm actually doing what's best for their child. Too often the parents are quick to assume I'm being unfair rather than realise the child might just be a bit lazy. Yeah, I think that is such a problem, Jacqueline, and it's a problem whether or not parents are allowed into the classroom. I think there is too much of a tendency today to blame teachers when things go wrong without considering that possibly the child has to get off their backside. Um, it, it's one of those it's one of those things that's become it's almost become a, a trope in conversations about education over here that you know in the past the parent would turn on the child and say what what are you not doing what what are you not bothering about whereas now it's turning on the teacher saying what are you doing wrong um so i i do hope i do hope you're okay jacqueline i'm sure you're a wonderful teacher and that in time even the newbies will come to understand that certainly i discovered during lockdown when i was homeschooling all four of my children all the things the teachers were too polite to tell me I really did learn very quickly, um, including which of my children is a lazy blighter. Oh, yes. Um, I'll tell you something. Maybe this isn't always the case, but I get the sense that the cleverest ones have the most incentive to be lazy. They can just walk through and tick the boxes. Oh, I did discover a great deal during lockdown, I can tell you. On the subject of Celiac Disease Awareness Day, I mean, a, a National Peanut Day. I, I, it seems strange that there's a national day about a major allergy which causes misery to thousands of people and National Peanut Day when nuts is one of the biggest causes of allergies. But there we are. I don't make the rules. Um, aha, Ron is telling me my stepson Josh makes shepherd's pie that was wonderful. The only problem he has is getting every pan we have dirty. The kitchen looks like a tornado blew through. Yes, this is the thing, isn't it? They can cook so beautifully and still leave a state of carnage everywhere. Um, so I do I do say to them, yes, I, I love it. I, I absolutely love it uh, when you cook, but do please at least load the dishwasher. Um, and Denise M is saying it. He needs to clean up after himself, then he'll learn how to be neater when preparing food. Absolutely. In fact, um, I wasn't moving on to this just yet, but thinking about what Jacqueline's just said about the, the way parents can behave towards teachers, a story has um, exploded over here. And I'd love to know more if anyone can tell me more about this, about a teacher in Florida who apparently lost her job for refusing to give 50% credit to students who didn't do their homework. She left, uh, leaving them a note on the whiteboard saying, Bye, kids. Mrs. Tirado loves you and wishes you the best in life. I have been fired for refusing to give you a 50% for not handing anything in. 
Diane Tirado, 52, was fired from a school in Port St. Lucie, Florida. She says the school has a no-zero policy. So teachers are required to give students no less than a 50% grade on assignments. She refused to follow this after students didn't turn in a homework project she had assigned two weeks earlier. So that was why she left the note on her eighth grade history class whiteboard explaining her, her firing, explaining why she was going and bidding farewell. Um, yes, this has gone viral all over the world. She's appeared on a TV TV station explaining it. Um, she said she just couldn't follow the policy. It's just wrong. However, the school have claimed that, you know, um, this is not true. It's not fair. But she said, I'm so upset because we have a nation of kids that are expecting to get paid and live their life just for showing up. And it's not real. So I think good for her. Good for her. Um said, I took on this flight, sorry, I took on this fight because it was ridiculous. Teaching should not be this hard. Teachers teach content. Children do the assignments to the best of their ability and teachers grade that work based on a grading scale that's been around a very long time. As Denise M says, uh, no work, no credit. Um, the King Dude is pointing out, I'm sorry, King Dude, it's not quite the same thing, is it? says, um... We do open house every day here on a live radio station that has a chat room. Yes, I suppose, really, you have to listen. You have to be able to comment on what I say because you're the listeners. I mean, I couldn't really do a radio show without anybody tuning in. Um, <laughs> yes, well, um, I don't know. I suppose there could be no one here. Perhaps the people in the chat room are just chatbots. No, I know you're not. There's no way that can be possible. As Jacqueline pointing out, therein lies the problem. Dr. Torres saying it's partly the teachers, it's partly the child, it's partly the parents. Interesting fact, high school teachers um, have a higher estimation of their students' preparation for college material than do the students' college professors. Only 12% of high school teachers think their students aren't college ready. Some 36% of college instructors' professors think the same. Our teachers are, on, are of the lowest calibre. Oh, this is going to get uh, heated quite soon, I can see. But fortunately, it is time for an ad break. But do be having a think about this. You know, um, where do we go from here if children expect to be graded and be given grades simply for turning up to school? Where on earth do we go from here? Where do we set this right? Where do we even begin to put it right? Anyway, you are listening to The Early Show with your hostess, Fiorella de Maria. If you've just joined us, you can get the whole of the show as a podcast same day from crusademax.com. Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the chat room is open for your commentary and pictures of furry animals at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Do talk to me. Do join the conversation. The early show will continue in a few moments here on the Crusade Channel Live talk radio the way it should be.
all you early risers and insomniacs, and those of you catching the show's rebroadcast at midday, for those of you just joining us, you are listening to The Early Show with your hostess from across the pond, Fiorella de Maria. Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Do talk to me as you enjoy a hearty breakfast of, I don't know, bacon and eggs and granola and yogurt and all sorts of other lovely things. I don't know why, but donuts have suddenly sprung to mind and I will not be able to get donuts out of my head now. I was just listening uh, when we went to the ad break about the origins of Uncle Sam. I had an Uncle Sam. My great uncle, I've mentioned my family before, went to America in the 1920s when it was a great land of opportunity and uh, everyone was rushing over to uh, get work and make their fortune and everything. They then came home to Malta in 1936, just in time for the war, which was not a smart move, but my poor great-grandfather didn't know that. But anyway, my great-uncle was called Salvatore, or Salve, as he was known, but he changed his name to Sam when he was in America because he felt it would help him to integrate better. And so I had an Uncle Sam in Uncle Sam. How great is that? Anyway, thought I'd share that. Wow, things are really hotting up in the chat room. Um, if you missed the first segment, never fear. You can get the whole of the early show as a podcast, same day from crusademax.com. We are talking about um, everything, really. Um, it's uh, National Celiac Awareness Day, National Peanut Day. I'm sure I've just heard someone say it's National Bald is Beautiful Day. Any baldies in the chat room like to elaborate? Bald is beautiful. I had no idea there was such a movement. This is great. Um, it's Rolled Dahl Day. And I was telling the charming story of a 96-year-old nun who has been reunited with her profession ring after she lost it in 1963. A metal detectorist found it in a field and returned it to her having initially thought that the inscription John the Baptist was the name of the owner of the ring. I, I still think it's sweet. But uh, we're also talking about the case of a teacher in Florida who claims she was fired from her job because the school had a new zero policy. A new zero policy. Would you believe that? You have to give 50% as a grade to students, even if they haven't handed in any work. And she refused to do this. Um it was pointed out that, of course, radio shows have open house every day. It's called the chat room. King Dude was saying radio shows existed for decades before chat rooms that commented on them. But we love our chatters and our chat room. I just cannot imagine the early show without the chat room. But the, the, the chat room is the early show. Surely, you know, it's, it's, I just love the interaction. I, I would hate that feeling that I was just talking into the void and perhaps there's nobody there. My worst nightmare. Perhaps I'm on my own talking to nobody. At least with the chat room, I have some reassurance that I'm being heard by somebody. Um, Lady Bellarmine is saying, is backing this up. In my school, teachers are not allowed to give less than 50%, no matter how little work students do. I just think this is so wrong. It, it's, just, it's just wrong. I mean, how, how do you justify this? Jacqueline, yes, I, I, did, I was thinking of you when Dr. Torres talked about the low calibre of, of teachers. Be careful, Dr. Torres might just be offending somebody. 
Denise. Um, we love you, King Dude. That's why we're here. There you are. There's your little bit of positive thinking for the day, King Dude. Uh, Ron saying, I made it through one semester of college. I got a 67. I almost went to class once. Denise um, uh, making the point that if kids know they get at least 50%, they become lazy. This is exactly what we are reaping, why we're reaping the benefits of this policy. It's only... It's why so many families now choose to homeschool. Absolutely. Um, Jacqueline, you know, quite sensibly saying, I take offence to your comment that teachers are the lowest calibre. Um, yesterday was a tough day. I will admit that... Um, uh, uh, hang on, sorry, talk texting. Um, Entertain the thought for a split second. I don't deserve this. I just should just leave. Um, please never leave, Jacqueline. Please, please don't leave. You know, your that your children may not know this, your students may not know this, but they are very, very privileged to have you. They will accept that one day. They will understand what a great teacher they had. And I think the parents will as well. Um, Philip is saying, started watching Street Strange Angel. It's pretty interesting so far. They're not shying away from any of the occult themes. Not exactly recommended for sensitive viewers. Um Jacqueline saying, some days are really tough and I'm very tired. Um, Denise saying, I went to college full-time for one year, but didn't know why I was going, so I dropped out and got a job as a bank teller. Loved it, so began to earn my degree in night classes. Took a lot of years, but ended my banking career as a manager. Years later, I'm now retired. King Dude is telling Jacqueline to offer it up. The patron saint of teachers was stabbed to death with pencils. Seriously? Um, good grief. Who Who is the patron saint of teachers? I thought it was Don Bosco. Um, he definitely wasn't stabbed to death with pencils. Um, Jacqueline saying, I get your comment about open house, King Dude, in the chat room, but I also rely on the chat room for support. Denise saying, you got it. Absolutely. You have, you have all our support, Jacqueline. I'm in awe of anyone who teaches today. I think it's a really, really tough profession to go into. Um, I've had friends who were wonderful teachers who felt the need to leave because of the amount of stress they were placed under. They just felt the job became too much. And it's so sad when that happens. So, Jacqueline, you just hang in there, OK? You're a great teacher and your children need you. Yes. John Bosco, pray for us. Oh, St. Cassian of Imola. OK, I don't know about the saints. How awkward. Pencils? Oh, I'm not sure I even want to know how that happened. King Dude is saying parents should support their support teachers too. After all, you're discharging a duty that God made theirs. Um, or should provide teachers support. Absolutely. Um, you know, I always made very sure that my children's teachers knew that I supported them. Partly because if I did have to complain, for example, if I was worried about the content of um, some of the classes, I needed the teachers to know I wasn't just being a moaning mini who was out to get them, that I really supported what they were doing, supported them in the classroom. Um, but just sometimes I might take issue with some of the, the curriculum, which they they never set in the first place. Um, oh, Jacqueline, what's... Oh, I can't see the... Are these the bunnies? Are these, are these the bunnies? It's, it's a bit dark. Um, Ron saying, Jacqueline, unfortunately, most teachers are not like you. Most public teachers are more concerned with Jane becoming John or, in our case, Addie becoming Mark. Um, Lady Bellarmine saying, I actually have a dilemma. One of my students has informed me she wishes to be called by a boy's first name. and I'm not to tell her parents this choice and to lie to her parents if asked. 
Denise Ham saying, don't give in. Um, listen, Lady Bellamine, I mean, uh, I'm, it's probably best to discuss this with your priest, but my, my gut feeling is um, I've always gone by the assumption, I, I won't do pronouns, but I will, I will call a person by what they wish to be called, you know, what name they wish to be called. However, they cannot ask you to lie. Absolutely, they cannot ask you to lie. It's unethical, it's immoral, and it's unprofessional. They simply cannot burden you with that. Um, that would be that would be my feeling. Um, you know, you, you don't have to volunteer the information, but you you can't be asked. It's it's absolutely unreasonable to ask you to lie, um, Doctor Torres. You can take offence all day, but the evidence reveals that those who tend to go go into education and end up graduating from schools of education are the least well prepared for college. They have the lowest IQs, SAT and ACT scores. Schools of education have been taken over by the Marxists and the critical theorists. Yes, just a moment, okay. I'll come back to that in a moment. Ross making the point, thou shalt not lie. Ron, just use the child's given name. The child is not in charge. Dr. Torres, education and research is what I do for a living. Sad facts, but facts. That's not to say teachers should be the object of violence or hate from students and such. Um, Lady Bellamine saying, Dr. Torres, I'm one of the outliers. I graduated the top 10% of my class with a SAT score that got me a scholarship to college, I still went into teaching. I do have to deal with the fact that things are not as they should be. And Denise saying, absolutely, that's why we chose to homeschool. And even now for our doodlebug, who's special needs and so not ready for kindergarten curriculum fully. Dr. Torres, I, I hear what you're saying, but please be very careful about generalizing because the statistics may speak for themselves. But there are also a lot of individual teachers like Jacqueline who are really trying in a system that does not support them. We have to ask ourselves, why are teachers so ill prepared for the classroom? I mean, I have to say I have been shocked by some of the things my children have come home with, not just the ideologies and things like that, but situations where teachers have simply not known the material they were teaching. I've had the excruciating experience, for example, of my son coming home from school with a poem they've been, a really famous poem they've been analysing and saying, where'd you get this rubbish? And him saying, the teacher told us that's what it's about. And the teacher has completely misread and misunderstood the poem because she's simply not educated enough to know what the poem was actually about. She knows nothing about the cultural context and the historical context in which it was written. Um, but you know, when you have that sort of situation, we have really good teachers being forced out of teaching. Um, like you know, our lovely guest Sarah, she was a teacher for years, and she was a very well-regarded teacher. Uh, like Jacqueline, who only temporarily, but temporarily considered just leaving because it's just made so difficult for her. You know, we have to ask ourselves, you know. What can we be doing to support teachers, the really good teachers, to stop them feeling they have to leave? Um, Lady Bell, I mean, I will not lie and we'll see where it goes. I agree with you, Fiorella. But all the best with that. Okay, we're praying for you. I think these are very, very difficult situations. And I'm very aware people like Lady Bell, I mean, and, um, and Jacqueline are right on the coal face, as you call it, right on the front line, I think you'd, you'd say, and are having to face these very difficult situations. Um, Dr. Torres, I'm a researcher. Whenever I say something about a group, I'm always talking of the average member. There are always exceptions to the rule. Okay. 
Um, but I just think, you know, we have to be a little bit careful because as Jacqueline was saying, you know, you come into the chat room for support. You know, I think we just need to be aware of that. Anyway, it's 54 minutes past the hour. You are listening to The Early Show with your hostess, Fiorella de Maria. If you've missed a show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of The Early Show as a podcast, same day from crusademax.com. And we are talking about all sorts of things today. Um, so I'm, trying, I'm just trying to keep my eyes off the chat room for a moment while I just recap what we're talking about. National Celiac Awareness Day, National Peanut Day. Um, uh, national Bald is Beautiful Day, National Positive Thinking Day. It's a lots of national days today. Rolled Dahl Day and all that sort of thing. And a 96-year-old nun who was reunited with her profession ring, which she lost in 1963. And a teacher fired from a Florida school because she claims she refused to give a 50% grade to students who had not submitted any work. This has, of course, segued the show, as always happens, into a fairly um, heated discussion about teaching. Um, here we go. Dr. Torres saying, I'm a researcher whenever I say, OK, yes, da, da, da. Um, radio hosts suck, but the hosts of the Crusade channel are the exception. Um, Maggie saying, I'll send your check today, Dr. Torres. Thank you very much. Well, you know what they say, it takes only one black swan to challenge the notion that all swans are white. So I'm a black swan. Mike is a black swan. Jacqueline is a black swan. Lady Bellarmine is a black swan. This is great. It seems to me we're in fact a chat room full of black swans um, in the nicest possible sense of the word. Uh, right, um, moving on. Just very, very quickly. I have just about got time to do this. Um, I should say, um, I, I feel a bit bad about saying this in passing, but, you know, please, can we pray for what is happening in Libya, um, the absolute disaster that is unfolding there, um, huge loss of life. Um, it's just, it's unbearable to think about what people are going through. Um, Dr. Torres is saying, oh, I agree with the teacher in Florida. She's a trooper for truth. And I'm just saying, you know, we have got to support teachers who are troopers for truth because it's really difficult to have to stick your head above the parapet like that, um, knowing that you will, you're likely to lose your job um, and likely to be vilified. I think she's done pretty well at, at uh, defending her corner. Um, there has been a bit of... Um, a bit of an argy-bargy over here, schools related. Um, I've I've mentioned this before, that there was um, a bit of an embarrassment to the government that a whole lot of schools in Britain were unable to open for the new academic year because it turned out that they had unsafe concrete. The walls were being held up by unsafe concrete or were made of unsafe concrete. And as it happened, it was only a tiny minority of the schools around the country that suffered disruption where schools either had to close or pupils had to be moved to different buildings and things like that. But it has been blown up into a massive political battle. And um, the education secretary has had to apologize for being caught swearing, uh, not realizing her mic was still on. Um, she was getting a bit irritated. She just done an interview with ITV's Gillian, um, sorry, it's just so it's Gillian Keegan who used the word. She was just talking to ITV and made an impatient, off-the-cuff remark, not realising she could be heard. Frankly, 
I, I really think that a, a swear word, unfortunately picked up by the mic, is is the least problem at the moment with the school system in Britain. We got an incredibly preachy, condescending letter from the head of the educational trust in our area, um, condemning the government and saying, "But isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful that you know, despite this terrible." terrible government we have that we have a greater leader in the in the person of pope francis who obviously knows a lot about concrete walls i mean it was just the weirdest most incongruous comment to make but they just had to find some way of bringing how awful the government is and how wonderful pope francis is into the same letter and did it that way um Denise is saying, I, I taught some classes in our home school cooperative 10 years ago. The students were so much more involved in their education. Unfortunately, I was sitting in a hallway outside a classroom when I overheard a parent teacher make very negative comments about Catholicism. Another parent there also learned I was Catholic and she told me I needed to get out of that church now. Wow. In a home school cooperative. That really shocks me because... Over here, I'm guessing it, it probably is very different in the US because the demographics are just different. But over here, a disproportionately large number of homeschooling parents are Catholic. Um, you know, some will be from evangelical backgrounds, some will be from Muslim backgrounds. Um, but and some, some, in fact, are of no religious background increasingly. But there's a pretty high Catholic presence. So, gosh, that's horrible. Um Philip is saying, see, that's why I like I dislike poetry. The author writes something that needs to be interpreted. Then when you interpret it wrong, the response is, how dare you? Why didn't you do the semester of work to figure out what I could have just plainly told you? Uh, King Dude is saying, not all poets are like that. Do that, Philip. Emily Dickinson is an example of one who didn't. Now, the thing is, oh, we're on to poetry. I'm, I'm happy. I'm in safe ground now. Uh, Zeke is saying, I always liked Robert Frost. I love Robert Frost. Poems that could make you think and feel. Um... Dr. Torres is on the subject of teachers. I believe in delivering the truth to people. A stupid child should be told he is stupid and should be encouraged with the rod and that he can and do, will do better. Stupidity will not do. Some parents need a thrashing too. I would, I'm guessing you're winding me up, Dr. Torres, but I would never use the word stupid to a child. I had a friend um, who, we were at primary school together. She almost certainly had learning difficulties, but when we were children, the whole idea of special needs was only just coming in. She should not, in fact, really have been at mainstream school. She should not have been expected to do the same exams we were doing. She did not have the aptitude. No, she was not stupid. She was, however, a child with learning difficulties. She could have caught up. With, with enough care and support, she could have got the help she needed. But she always talks about the time, and God forgive me, I don't even remember this, but I can understand why she would never forget, where our rather harsh teacher, who was fine with me because, you know, I was pretty bright, um, but this rather harsh teacher, when this girl was, was trying to read aloud, and she stumbled over a word, and the teacher corrected her pronunciation and just went, it's that way, stupid. She said she never forgot it. She never forgot being called that in front of the whole class and everybody laughing at her. You know, when someone's struggling, you don't need to treat them like that. Um, Denise is saying stupidity is not laziness, can't change stupid. Laziness can be changed. Absolutely. And in many cases, if, if a student is struggling, if they work hard, they will get there. 
or they will get at least to the bare minimum of where they need to be. Um, you know, my son is because of his autism, he struggled in class. He is not stupid. He probably has a very high IQ. We never got it tested, but a lot of autistic kids do. But in school academic terms, he wasn't the brightest. However, he works really hard, really, really hard. And his teachers comment on it. He is never late with an assignment. He always gives 150% with everything he does. And for that reason, he's been told, you will get there. You'll get where you want to be because you just, you persevere. And that has to happen. Um, Falkhorn is saying that the problem I see is with incompetent school administration. The model is in place that if you have an advanced degree, you're automatically more qualified and get promoted. Uh, King Dude is suggesting that Jacqueline read Alan Bloom's Closing of the American Mind. Torres probably has a copy of or six laying around. He could loan you explain what and why happened to American education and then educators. Ron is saying I have learning difficulties. Dyslexia is a pain in the neck. Um, I remember, I can still remember, this This was starting to change. I can still remember children when I was at primary school who were obviously dyslexic, who were perfectly bright. You could tell when they were talking in class, they were articulate, they were completely on top of the subject, but they just could not write. And they read very slowly and they struggled with their reading and writing. So they were written off. They were almost certainly dyslexic. And, of course, they then became frustrated. They thought they were stupid and they didn't bother anymore. Um, Falkhorn saying, ignorance is not laziness. Ignorance can be cured. Stupid goes all the way to the bone. Dr. Torres is saying, I'm not talking about the average normal child. Students with learning disabilities are a separate matter. A teacher can recognize the real needy child. Um, Jacqueline saying, my students are memorizing the poem Sigh the Song this week. Oh, I, I so love the fact that your children memorise poetry. I just think this is so wonderful. But yes, getting back to what was, was said about, you know, the annoying thing about poets is they write things that have to be interpreted. What's really annoying is in the case of this poem, it did not require a lot of interpretation. It was Rupert Brooks, the soldier, written in the first enthusiasm of the First World War. If I should die, think only this of me, that there's some corner of a foreign field that is forever England. There shall be in that rich earth a richer dust concealed, a dust whom England bore, shaped, made aware, gave once her flowers to love, her ways to roam, a body of England's breathing English air, washed by the rivers, blessed by sons of home. There, I can still remember... That's the whole of the first stanza. I won't bore you with the second one. But it is actually very obvious what Rupert Brooke is talking about. It's a, it's a young soldier, young English soldier. He's off to fight for England and for, for the England that bore him, that shaped him, that gave him so much. And that if he dies in that tiny little corner of a foreign field, of a battlefield, it will be a little bit of England because he has died there and he has blessed it with his sacrifice. That is all it is saying. It is not difficult. That is why it is taught at GCSE. It's a 14 to 16 year old level. The teacher interpreted it as being about women and how really what this is really about is that Rupert Brooke is describing England in terms of a woman's body to encourage men to enlist to make men think of women's bodies because she didn't know 
that countries are always referred to as she, her, the motherland. And for that reason, completely misunderstood the point of the poem and turned it into a huge sort of proto-feminist, anti-feminist manifesto. It was toe-curlingly embarrassing. It was just ignorance. It's nothing to do with interpreting it in a different way. It was just not understanding what the poet was talking about. Um Gosh, load. This is this has really touched a nerve today, hasn't it? Uh, Jacqueline is saying, my first year of teaching, I had a parent come to me and tell me not to bother with their daughter because she couldn't learn. She ended up earning AC in my science class and she earned that she earned all by herself. I used alternate assessment. I made sure she knew that she earned that grade. Um Lady Bell, I mean, my professor in college actually required us to read The Closing of the American Mind. Wonderful, wonderful educator. Wow. Maggie saying it took one teacher to pay enough attention to my sister to realise she wasn't stupid. She just didn't do well with written testing. She would have such anxiety over it. She just shut down completely. The teacher took it upon herself to give her exams verbally. And would you know, she passed each exam after that. Um. There we go. Um, Jacqueline saying she failed everything. Oh, this, this girl she, you, you were te teaching. She failed everything else before. Unfortunately, only had for that for, for that one class. Maggie saying there are good teachers out there. Unfortunately, there are also bad teachers, and they usually make the headlines. Um, Denise saying good teacher. If only there were more. Well, the thing is that um, Philip saying I'm sorry for Alifaz. Take it back. No worries, Philip. I, I love I love the way we can have these conversations uh, on the early show. And I don't know about you. I've, I know I've said this before, but I, I feel like I'm having breakfast with with a with a whole bunch of friends, and we're just you know putting the world to rights. That's how it sort of feels. Um, but where was I going with this? Um, Ron is saying mothers are the best teachers. Well, naturally, you know, parents are the primary educators. But when it comes to, I mean, I, I don't believe in the end. Any, any primary school teacher certainly teaches more than I could teach my children. But I'm also aware at secondary level, I can't teach my children chemistry. Let's face it. I can't even teach my 10-year-old maths. Um, I think when you have when you have had the experience of a teacher really turning someone around, and Maggie, I love that story about your sister. The fact is, I mean, I was always, I'm not blowing my own trumpet here, I was always highly academic. I went to the top university in the country and... That was that was what I did. I was a scholar. That was my thing that I did. My sister was a musician. I was the scholar of the family. That's the way it works out. But when I first started secondary school, I was so miserable that I was failing. I was so unhappy that I just had I lost all interest in work. And I was turned around by my famous English teacher, I always quote, Mr. Quest, who saw he knew I wasn't stupid. Um, and he really worked with me and I owe him so much, not just that I ended up being top of the class in English and that's had a fairly major impact on my life because I'm a writer, but because it changed everything, it, it brought me up on all my subjects because he gave me the confidence and the motivation to get back to my books and to start working hard. Um, and, you know, when you have, but the awful thing was, it was just one teacher. None of the others 
picked up where the problem was. It took one teacher. Mercifully, there was that one teacher, or I think I would just have failed. I would just have ended up dropping out. Um, Maggie saying, I love this morning show and our little morning community. I do, in fact, have breakfast with you guys every morning, and it's a great start to my day. Um, that's lovely. I, I, I wish, because I, I, I can't eat my breakfast while I'm talking, because you'll just hear sort of nasty munchy noises, which is very unpleasant. But I do have my morning coffee when I'm speaking. Uh, Jacqueline saying, I currently have a special needs student that I mainstream in my classroom. I have a very smart student who has issues with anxiety and getting assignments completed. I adjust daily to help. I don't always succeed. Since we're a small school, we don't have the resources. Unfortunately, when you are competent, more and more gets dumped on your shoulders. And I have a hard time saying no. The teacher that complained yesterday also complained to uh, the vice principal, and he in turn asked me to rewrite the homework policy for the entire school. I don't have time to think and breathe right now, and I just didn't even know how to respond it's not my job to write policy for the school. Wow, it, are they asking you to write the policy for the school um, because they can't? That, that seems that seems like a, that seems like a huge burden to put on you. Um, I don't know. Can you complain? Can you can you say that's that's really not reasonable? Um, Denise um, saying same here, Maggie. I can sometimes get to hear the king dude, but once I get out on the road, signals drop and I get nothing. Plus, Doodlebug keeps my attention, but I do love you guys. There we are. That's. You know, that's that's the equivalent of national positive thinking day for me. OK, that's just knowing that, you know, there's there's a whole community out there. And that's where I mean, I completely appreciate that. Sure. Radio existed a long time before chat rooms, but I just I love the reassurance of the chat room. And I just love the way it sort of, you know, it, it bubbles up the conversation. I didn't expect that teaching was going to be quite so central to the show today, just as I didn't imagine dogs was going to take over, were going to take over yesterday. But there we are. Um here we go. Uh, where are we? Where are we? Jeffy Mann. Love the morning show with Fiorella Files. Such a great start to the morning. As a Protestant, this environment gives me a much better feel for the heart of Catholicism. I appreciate it truly. You are so welcome, Jeffy Mann. It's lovely to have you in the chat room. I, I love the fact that I'm, I'm getting to know everyone now. I, I, you know, when, when people sign in, I recognise everyone and it, it, it makes a big difference, you know. Um, Maggie saying, thinking about all of this, we all know just how different children are. Yet we put them in large classrooms with one adult and expect them to follow the one way of learning. The local elementary school here has 30 plus children per class. How can you teach each child when you have that many? There will be children that fall through the cracks. And Dr. Torres is just suggesting using chat GBT, GPT to rewrite the policy, take a load off. I dare you to do that, Jacqueline, see if anybody notices. That'll teach them. I think, Maggie, that is such an important point. And yes, over here, there is a, a rule. You can't have more than 30 children in a classroom, though this does sometimes get broken. But even with 30 plus, you're still 30 maximum. You're, there's still a lot of children with one adult and possibly a teaching assistant helping out. And as you say, they're all expected to do the same system, to learn in the same way. And there are always children who just don't fit into that environment. And not even just children with learning difficulties. One of the problems we had, my 10-year-old, is that she was finding school boring. You know, she was doing the sort of mathematics that a 16-year-old does when she was seven. And she just had no interest in what they were doing at school. Um, their French lessons 
generally involved learning a couple of words per lesson a couple of times a week. Well, she taught herself French on Duolingo. Sometimes a child can be just so out of sync with what's going on in the classroom. It just doesn't work. And it is something I think a lot of teachers are aware of. Um, the head teacher at my daughter's old school made that point, saying that uh, W.K. Sumner's just stepped in and said, unfortunately, large classrooms hurt all the students. He made the point that you know, if there are always children who do not fit into that um, that particular environment very well. And a teacher is expected to cater for 30 children, including, you know, the kid with severe special needs at one end and the super bright kid at the other end. And how are they supposed to do that? And whereas there are some resources now, at least for children with learning difficulties, there is nothing available for really gifted children. So it's, yeah, it's a really, really difficult situation. And that's why I do feel that mainstream school as it's called is not suitable for everyone and I had no qualms at all about taking two of my children out of school it just was not right for them um Mike are you there I am wow this has been quite a roller coaster today have you been have you been paying attention at the back of the class uh, <laughs> yes with the dunce cap on yep <laughs> That is I with the dunce cap on the back of the class. I actually would be the class clown, wouldn't I? Making mm -hmm. spitballs and throwing them at the chalkboard. Yeah, I thought you might have been, possibly. No, no. <laughs> no you were uh, very good, were you? Uh, uh, no. Um, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I wasn't one of the miscreants, but uh, we all had our share of mischievousness. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're talking just, about uh, about r removing uh, your children from uh, school um, because it was incapable of discharging the the task, um, this is even even in places where there is very good private schooling, it, uh, this is difficult, and it always has been. It, it, it's it's never been easy, which is why. All children did not go to school. Yeah. Giuseppe Sarto was like one of 11 children. You know who, you know who Giuseppe Sarto was? Nope. Pope Pius X. Why didn't you just call him Pope Pius XII? Because his, real, because his name in real life before he was, before he was His Holiness, St. Pope Pius X, is Giuseppe Sarto. You were just trying to pass the dunce's cap on to me, weren't you? Yes, I was. So, uh, mission accomplished. So, um, uh, uh, but no, it's a really good story because um, you would only choose. He, he was one of three of the, it was either nine, 10, or 11. I can't remember how many children. But uh, the parents, the Sarto parents, couldn't afford uh, the proper tutoring. So they only chose three, two or three of their children to go to school. And he was one of them. And of course, in Italy, in uh, the 1850s or 1860s, I guess, in Italy, if you went to a if you went to a school like that, you probably wound up with an instructor like St. John Bosco. So you 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 got proper, uh, very dedicated and hands-on uh, education. But you know, Brother Andre Marie and Sister Maria Philomena have done a, a, a reconquest episode. I think it was one of the most fascinating ones other uh, they ever did, or their brother ever did. He talked about the whole. The topic was about you know how when in their in the school that they run there, which is a completely private, dedicated Catholic school, you know they try to take into account 
the uh, the four temperaments of the children. Mm-hmm. The choleric, the melancholic, the uh, what are the other two? Uh, is sanguine. The sanguine, because that bears directly on how the child will learn. Mm. And if you don't Absolutely. understand the temperament, then you're never going to, to make that connection. So each child is going to have a different temperament. You know, my friend David Simpson, I think you probably know who David Simpson is, but maybe you don't know David. David I was don't know him, but, yeah. when he was the headmaster of the private. Um, what do they call it? The hybrid homeschool, which basically took over an older school that was abandoned and made it into a learning center for the the parish's homeschool children, where uh, special instruction would be uh, would be given. You you didn't have to send your children five days a week, eight hours a day there. You could send them three days a week, two hours a day. Um, and David was a proponent of uh, uh, of uh, uh, of actually kind of um, uh, making evaluations on the children as they came into the school, and if a twelve year old or if a nine year old was able to communicate on the level of a thirteen year old, well, don't put him in the in the third grade. Put him in the, in, in the eighth grade where he belongs, where he, where okay. you know where he's challenged, right? Because we, we have this cookie-cutter mentality that, well, no, he's nine, he goes into third grade. Yeah. Well, what if he's genius and he's nine? Mm. <laughs> he doesn't belong right, in the yeah. third grade. He's going to be bored to tears. It's a tough one, though. It is. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, I, it's interesting because I, I always thought that – because I, I went into an old year group when I was at school because it was still in private schools. You could still do that. Um, now I think there is no school in the country that would allow a, a younger child to go into a – a class with older children uh, it's just not it's just not permitted there are social difficulties with being a lot younger than the others in the class um, but then i'm guessing i'm guessing really a private school like that a small school should be able to cope with that they should you know that would be my guess but they'd have to have that as a kind of a raison d'etre they'd have to set out to do that yeah if you don't um, set the, out the, to do that you have no chance whatsoever no, well, I'm, I'm guessing that it, that would be that's exactly it, isn't it? That if your school does that, there'll be a fair number of children who are not in the right year, as it were. Right. You know, so they it all fit in. Yeah. You know, and then it comes mm-hmm. down to the, uh, the there is also the issue is uh, as many people uh, aspire for a simpler, more agrarian style of living, that not all children need the kind of book smart education that some children need some children are going to grow up to be butchers bakers and candlestick makers and they're going to be really good at it mm. and they're going to be carpenters and what does a carpenter need a, a really good carpenter needs a, if he's going to frame houses yes he's going to need mathematics at the end of the day he actually needs trigonometry mm. you can't frame a house you can't engineer without trig you have to have trig yeah. so uh, but he may not need Instruction on uh, Oscar Wilde and Emily Dickinson and Robert Frost. <laughs> now, he could pick it up because it's it's healthy for the mind and the soul, but he may not need to take tests on it. You see what, what, what I'm saying yeah. here? Is, is, is the, 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 there is something to be said for the education, uh, uh, and, and I think that this has really come back here in, in, in the southern United States. Um, as commun- what we call vocational technical schools are once again on the rise and many people are going like, why did we ever get rid of them? Yeah, they, they used to be the case in Britain that they had this sort of technical 
Uh, it, what, what they used to do was at 11, children, every child in the country would take their 11 plus. And if you passed your 11 plus, you went to grammar school, which was very academic. If you failed your 11 plus, you went to secondary modern, as they called it, which was much more technical. And the idea was that it was supposed to mean that you got the education that was suitable for you. Of course, there were problems. You know, there were wealthy parents who used to get their child a lot of um, a lot of tuition to cheat the system and things like that. And there right. were others who were who were late who were late developers who got stuck in the secondary modern when they should really have been in grammar school. So there were problems with it, but there was always this idea that there should be different kinds of education available. Well, no, you actually saw some of this up close and personal because you went to Ferdy school you I went to indeed. the studiorum those those kids were of varying ages they weren't all of the exact same age stuck into the same kind of school laboratory um, uh, and they all were kind of gifted if you will in, mm. in each of their own uh, different kind of way and you know the so your friend and mine Ferdy McDermott actually started a school to actually do this yeah. Well, what I found impressive, and obviously I'm not mentioning any names because the children involved, but do you remember when we were doing the workshop, I was doing the creative writing workshop, and there were students from the school at the workshop. And I really noticed they were all they were all slightly quirky in a really good way. They had their own way of thinking. One of them who was asking me very intelligent questions was obviously on the spectrum as a mother of an autistic boy. I could see it. And yet they were being catered for somehow. You know, very, very differing needs, and yet they were they were catered for, and they were confident. Yes, they were. Uh, yeah, yes, uh, uh, um, I know one of the ones that you're talking about was on the mm. uh, uh, was on the spectrum. Um, yeah. uh, but they were also. I mean, here they are studying. What? What? <laughs> this is very. All right. Do you know the story? Do you know who Charles Carroll Carrollton was? No, sorry. Okay, he was a founding an American founding fathers. He was a founding father. He was raised as he was raised as the bastard child of a supposedly pious Catholic man whose last name obviously was Carroll. And uh, but Carroll had to admit that Charles was his son, and then set out to treating him as if he was. And set out to, because he was very bright, giving him the best education he could. So he sent him from. The United States, or from the uh, United Colonies as they were at the time, he sent him from uh, Baltimore, Maryland. He sent him to go study at a Jesuit institution in France. Mm -hmm. There, Charles learned French, obviously, but he learned Latin and he learned Greek, and you know, he ultimately graduates uh, graduates with uh, with honors and privileges and what have you. And he comes back to the United States, and people marvel at the fact that he's so smart. Well, that's because. In the United States at the time, the Jesuits had no educational footprint. But if you, but in Europe, in the old country, they most certainly did. So the yeah. best and brightest were educated by Saint Ignatius of Loyola and Loyola-like schools. So Charles had a great education. He came back, and they were like, "Who is this guy? How was he so smart? We don't have universities that teach people to do these things." Um, but Charles um, would then, uh, uh, and that's just a good example of how someone was who was sent to the right school and was taught in that strict, in that, in that, in that stri strict old. I mean, just imagine back in the day when the Jesuits were actually the Jesuits. Yeah. 
I mean, the genius Jesuits, you know, the father Fahis, the father Fibers, the father the the, the father calls, and so many others. Uh, but you could actually, if your 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 you know, your kid probably would have to, your child would probably have to qualify or compete to get into a Jesuit school. But yeah. but what an opportunity it would have been, right? When the Jesuits were still the Jesuits, yes. So he's genius. Um. He said he struggled actually, <laughs> because it was, it was so it was so, hard, it was so incredibly. But you know, he's very educated. You know, he's very well educated, very cultured. Well, so um, now that explains you. <laughs> um, oh, thank you, Mike. <laughs> no, it. it but, but, no, but he said that you know they were very, very aggressively academic. You know, it was yes. It was, it was a very tough, very rigorous um, environment. Well, and 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 now to uh, to, uh, to to don the dunce cap back on, um, <laughs> uh, just because I get to do hagiographies hey, of the saint of the day before mass begins at my parish. Father mm-hmm. Damien, Father Ken humored me, and now Father Damien humors me. So okay. um, I ran across Saint Cassian of Imola which you did not know, he is the original patron saint of teachers because he was given a, 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 a bunch of Roman children to instruct, and he started to instruct them, and he started to catechize them. So mm-hmm. Emperor Julian, whoever at the time, finds out that Cassian is not only teaching them reading, writing, and arithmetic, but he's also teaching them and kind of catechizing them. And he's brought before the uh, he's brought before the prefect, and the prefect tells him, "Okay, you're going to have to apostatize and sign off on the god Jupiter or whatever it was." And of course, Cassian refused, and so they gave him another chance. They they threw him in a dungeon for a little while, and he still refused. He goes, and then so the sentence was, "We're going to send you back to the school." And we're going to order all the children to apostatize, and they're not going to say no. And then we're going to order them to basically get rid of their apostate teacher. So they chained him to a pillar in the Mm -hmm. square where the children played in the school. And the children, over the course of three days it took, stabbed him with their styluses. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> it took three days for him to die. Oh, Mike, that's really, really horrible. Yeah, but it's a great story. I mean, he we, he refused to, to, to apostatize. And mm-hmm. uh, so this is how he becomes the uh, original patron saint before St. John Bosco, patron saint of teachers. You know who else is a patron saint of teachers? And most people won't know this. St. Philip mm-hmm. Neri is a patron saint of teachers. I might have guessed that, yes. Um, yeah, so there are a lot of, there are, there are several uh, patron saints or teachers. So, uh, Jacqueline, be of good heart. You're not the first teacher that was upbraided by children and parents. <laughs> but you have a litany of saints to pray to, to ask for their, uh, uh, their heavenly intercession to help you get through those hard times. Um, and I, I would just say, I would not want to be a teacher in 2023, especially as a practicing Catholic male in a secular environment, because somebody's head is going to roll. Yeah, probably yours, yes. N- no. <laughs> no, not mine. So uh, with that, uh, now I, uh, I'm traveling to the Catholic Land Movement Conference tomorrow, so uh, the South Africans will be here. And uh, uh, so I will not be here Monday and Tuesday. So uh, Monday, uh, Friday and Monday. So we shall talk next on uh, the uh, upcoming, uh, I'll see you next Tuesday. 
next Tuesday. All right. Well, have a wonderful time at the conference. It is 29 minutes past the hour. It's been my absolute pleasure to bring you the early show all the way from Chile, England. Don't forget to write to me at Fiorella at crusadechannel.com. And the chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. I'll now leave you with the King Dude, Mike Church himself. You're listening to the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be.